Man, I love singing that, and uh, it's true. One of these days, we're going to see Jesus face to face, so we just praise God for that, and uh, we get to keep worshiping him by opening up his word. So why don't you take your Bibles and go with me to uh, the book of Titus. We are going to be in Titus chapter 3 tonight, Uh, Titus chapter 3, and uh, we're kind of continuing our series here. Paul has been stressing on Pastor Titus uh, the importance of making sure that he's preaching and teaching the gospel. In fact, chapter 2 verse 1, he said, make sure that you're teaching what accords with sound doctrine because uh, as we've been seeing, the gospel is what actually changes us personally. And then there's kind of this concentric circles that's just working its way out and it's making a greater impact because it changes me personally, but then it changes my family and the people all around me. Then it impacts the church and then it's to impact the world. And as we saw last, last week uh, at the beginning of uh, of chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, uh, Paul was laying that out. Like, man, he wants us to make an impact in the world by being good citizens and neighbors as a witness to the gospel in our culture and in our community. But then, here we are, chapter 3, verse 3, he kind of hits pause for just a minute, and, and he starts to tell a story. And he's telling the story of the gospel, He tells the, I was but God, and and he's rehearsing the gospel. There's power in rehearsal. So when I was in high school and when I was in college, I was not being recruited for the football team or the basketball team. I got recruited for the choir. I was a choir boy. Uh, do with that what you will. Uh, but I had some fun with it. I, I, I enjoyed When I was in high school, I got to be a part of the musical. When I was in college, I actually got a, a chance to be a part of the Moody Men's Choir. Like this all-men's choir. It was, it was actually kind of a cool experience. We got to travel and tour uh, around the nation. We actually got to go to Australia and New Zealand one time. Got to tour over there. I got to sing in some pretty cool things like Handel's Messiah. I had a lot of fun with it. But one of the things that you realize when you join a choir is you got to go to weekly rehearsal. And you got to go over the music over and over and do it again and again and again to make sure that you've really got it because it becomes embarrassingly obvious when you've not rehearsed and when you've not put in the work uh, behind the scenes. This is why our our worship team gets together and they practice and they rehearse some of the things that they're going to play so they're not just showing up uh, on the Sunday and just kind of winging it and let's just see how this goes. There's practice that goes on, right? Am I right, right? Like we're putting a little bit of work here. We're rehearsing a little bit. We want to make sure uh, that we're doing the work behind the scenes, going over this and over this. In fact, I I was a worship pastor. I've told you this for a lot of years. uh, I was doing this, and I can't tell you how many times while I was singing and leading in a song, I would completely forget the words and just start making up my own lyrics. I'm sure that at some point it was probably heretical, and but God spared us in, in that. I can't tell you, it, it became increasingly obvious, man, that guy hadn't rehearsed enough. I praise God that I was a worship pastor before the uh, Worship Fails Instagram account was created and people started posting all of these videos uh, uh, on uh, YouTube because I'm like, that would have been me everywhere. I'm like, look at this idiot. Like, this guy clearly skipped practice and hasn't rehearsed. Rehearsal and repetition is really important. So a lot of the things that you're going to hear tonight, you're like, I know this. We've heard this before. But Paul is saying to us, hey guys, it's gospel rehearsal time. 
Like, I know you've heard this. I, I, like, like he is, he, he's actually writing this near the end of his life. And Paul is, man, he has shared this so many times. He's gone over this again and again. And he's coming to the end of this letter. And, and we've kind of already rehearsed some of it before. And so some of it's like, man, we, we, we already know this. But he's like, Let, let's go over it again. We're not winging it. Let's make sure we've got this down. Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 3. Follow along with me as I read. Here's what Paul says. For we ourselves... We're once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in our righteousness, but but according to his own mercy, by, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. <clears throat> the saying, he says, verse 8, is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Uh, I want you to notice this, this scripture, what, what he's just gone over, it, it, it seems like it might have been a song or a hymn or, or at the very least some sort of creedal statement that the church would have been going over. Like he, he's referring it to it in verse 8 as the saying. The, the saying which is trustworthy. So this may have been familiar, like they'd, they'd sung this or they've, they, they've heard this before, but he, he makes sure in verse 8, he says, I want you to insist on these things. Like assert this and emphasize the gospel story and go over it again and again and again. Put this on repeat. And I also want you to notice uh, there's a switch in pronouns. If you're looking at verse 1, what we saw last week, Paul said this, remind them. And he was talking to Titus to talk to and teach the, the believers there in the churches on the island of Crete. He says, remind them. But now in verse 3, he says, for we. He's including himself and he's, he's personalizing the gospel. He's saying this, this is true for all of us believers. This is our story. And this is a story that we should never get tired of telling. We, 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 we want to tell this story again and again and again of what Christ has done in my life. In fact, here's the big idea tonight. If you're taking notes, note this. We need to constantly rehearse the gospel to ourselves. <clears throat> we need to constantly rehearse the gospel to ourselves. When I was a kid, I, I, I've shared this with you before, but it just made such an impression on me. Um, I, we, had, we had this guy who showed up at our church. His name was Jerry Bridges. And Jerry Bridges had, had worked with the Navigators, and, 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 and uh, he'd written a whole bunch of books. And the dude was so old, and uh, like, he had no hair, which I, I, like, I don't make that assumption anymore about uh, just because you don't have hair means you're old. But, but the guy had clearly been walking with Jesus for a really, really long time. Okay? So one of the things that he said, uh, I just, it stood out to me because it, it just kind of bothered me. He got up while he was talking. He said, listen, every morning I get up, and I preach the gospel to myself. And I remember as a kid, I was like, doesn't, like didn't you get saved like a long time ago? Does, doesn't he know that you don't have to do that again and again? Like, I don't know, maybe you were one of those kids that like every time you climbed into the car, you're like scared of a car accident. So you'd pray the prayer to ask Jesus to come into your heart again, like just, just, in, just in case it didn't take, right? Like, well, we know that's not the case. Once saved, 
always saved, right? Like, like you can't lose your salvation. But what I didn't realize is that the gospel is not just for unbelievers so that they will trust in Jesus. It's also for believers so that we will continue to grow in grace and in godliness. It's not just this one-time thing that we needed at the beginning, and once you've heard it, we don't ever need to hear it ever again. No, in fact, Carissa and I were talking about it this week, and she was kind of reminding me, like, it's not just applying the gospel to our understanding of our justification, what like Christ did for us and, and, and what God did to make us right before him. It's also applying the gospel to our sanctification. This, this process where we're becoming more and more like Christ and it's changing how we live. So we've got to constantly just be rehearsing this, going over it again and again every day. By the way, this is how this is going to, we'll become a gospel-shaped, healthy, growing church. So I'm glad you all showed up for rehearsal. Let's go over the gospel again. Can we do that? Let me give you actually three reasons, I think, why we need to rehearse the gospel to ourselves that I see here. Here's, here's the first one. Note this. We need to rehearse the gospel to ourselves so that you'll have compassion on other sinners. So that, so that you'll have compassion on other sinners. He's just, he's just been telling us how we're supposed to submit to uh, uh, these governing authorities, as we saw last week in, in verse 1, and uh, how we're supposed to treat all people in verse 2, all the people that we're running into in our community, in our neighborhood, which it's already been established that the, the neighborhood, the culture that they're living in is completely ungodly. These people do not love Jesus, and it's very evident by their lifestyle and the choices that they're making. In fact, uh, in chapter 1, Paul, remember he had he had quoted uh, from, from one, of, one of their own, one of their own prophets. Like, I didn't say it, this guy said it, but I'm just going to agree with him. The guy said, uh, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. Chapter 1, verse 12. Those are not the kind of people that you want to have to live with. But, 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 but that, because that's the culture, that's why it's so important for the believers in these churches to stand out and to live differently. But he's also trying to remind them to, to love these people and to treat them, he said, verse 2, with, with perfect courtesy. And then look at verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish. Or, or more literally, the NAS translates this, for we also. What he's saying is, we were once like this too. Like, guys, I know you got some rough neighbors, but we used to be just like them. It's hard to hate on these people when we realize that that was us too. You see, part of rehearsing the gospel is reminding ourselves who we were before Christ. Do you remember like, what your life was like before Christ, B.C.? You remember that? So, so like me, personally, I, I think about my life. My B.C. days ended, I believe, when I was five years old. Okay, like I, 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 it was very basic, but I really do believe that at five years old, I came to a childlike faith and understanding that I was a sinner, I needed Jesus to save me, and so I asked uh, Christ to save me from my sins. I, I, I believe that happened. Now, this may be shocking to you, but I was not running around as a three and four year old uh, getting wasted and, and, and doing drugs and, and like living it up and partying and running from the law. Those just weren't the particulars of my story. I was not a good kid. I'm like, I'm really glad that my parents are not here to attest to that. Dad, if you're watching online, you don't need to like say anything. I think everybody kind of gets this. But, but like, um, I only had about four, maybe five years 
of living before Christ. And, and yet, the, the depths and the darkness of my depraved heart that I was born with were so bad that I have been dealing with the ongoing effects and the tentacles of that old nature all my life. Because the flesh never improves. It, it, we just, we, we, in Christ, we actually get a new nature. And so maybe, maybe your story's a little bit like mine. When you think about like BC, like who you were before Christ, you're like, well, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't go to prison. I, I, I like didn't have like this, you know, obvious rebellion and just living in sin and debauchery. Like that's, that's not necessarily my story. Well, well, I think it's important for us to realize that even if, even if, think about this, even if by God's restraining grace, we were held back or, or we lacked the opportunity to give full vent to our sin. Our hearts were actually pregnant with the hatred of God and all of these wicked desires. Like and if, if God had just given me enough time or given me the opportunity to do what I really wanted to do, I'd be right there with the rest of the worst of them. And, and so it's important for us to, to keep that in mind, that this is actually here in my heart. Otherwise, what happens when we come to a verse like verse 3, we, we might read uh, these words that, that Paul is, is describing of who we were before Christ and go, ah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, like, this, I wasn't that bad. Like, this doesn't really sound like me. But when we read these things in verse 3, we, we need to recognize that these are the things that are true of my heart. Honestly, this is really only scratching the surface of describing the depth of the depravity of my sin. This is true of you, certainly true of me, okay? Verse 3, we were, he said, foolish. That means just sin made us stupid. We just did stupid things. And we were disobedient. We didn't do what God wanted. We were, we were led astray. We're going the wrong way. And what's worse, we were slaves to various passions and pleasures. That means it was so bad that we couldn't go the right way even if we wanted to. And we didn't want to. In fact, actually, we, we wanted uh, our sin and we were so hopelessly stuck in it like we couldn't get out. We were, we were slaves to this. There's actually a parallel there. If you notice, there's a parallel between verse 3 and the first two verses of this chapter. Because in verse 1, remember Paul was telling us to be submissive to these rulers and authorities, the, the people that God's placed over us. We have these and, and there he's talking about the, the governing authorities. So we have some people that are ruling over us. Well, here in verse 3, he's reminding us that we used to submit to the wrong rulers. I'm not talking about the governing authorities here. He's reminding us that, that we were not just servants of Christ. We weren't servants of Christ. We were slaves to sin. And then there's another parallel in verse 2, because verse 2 is calling us to love our neighbors, right? The, the, the speak evil of no one, uh, avoid quarreling, be gentle, show, show perfect courtesy to all people. We had a hard time with that. And the reason that we had a hard time with that, because of who we were. Look at what he says verse 3. We were passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. This is what existed in my heart before Jesus Christ came and changed me. And the more I grow in my understanding of God's holiness, the more I actually recognize how egregious and how severe the condition of my old sinful nature really is. Man, this just, this just levels me. This humbles me. I am no better than any other sinner. And, and Jesus is the one, isn't he? He's the one who doesn't let us uh, get off and, and dismiss our culpability by just comparing ourselves to other people so that we think we're not that bad. Remember, he's the one who said, okay, 
I know you haven't murdered anybody, but have you been angry? Then you actually deserve the same judgment. And sure, you haven't technically committed adultery, but have you ever looked at someone lustfully? Well, then you're guilty of committing adultery in your heart. So, so there's, there's no chance for us to be able to like start comparing ourselves to other people and think, I'm not that bad. In fact, well, here's what happens. A lot of times we start looking around and we see there are sins that people commit in our, in our world, things that have happened this week that, that just make us sick when we look at that. And, and, and while I, I think we should grieve over these things, while we should seek to, to bind up the brokenhearted and to show compassion and concern for those who have been victims of this and to stand against evil, we also, while we're looking at some of these evils and saying, man, that's wrong, and that, that like fires me up when I see people doing stuff like that, I need to recognize that the root of that same sin is right here. And so rehearsing the gospel, it's remembering who we were before Christ. It helps us show compassion to other sinners. Because then we're realizing, man, BC life is no way to live. Sin makes us miserable. And, and we're trapped, we're slaves, we can't get out. And, and, and it's empty and it's, and it's hopeless. And what he's trying to remind us is that was our story. That was our reality. But it's not anymore because of Christ. And so uh, here, here's how we apply this. Then you, you think about there, there's some people in your life. I know there are. There's some people that just irritate you, right? Some of the things they say, some of the things that they do, it's probably somebody in your office, somebody that you have to go to, to work, maybe somebody in your family. These people aren't believers. And, and, and some of the things they say, some of the things they do, just, they just bug you. But the gospel replaces a heart of pride and hatred with compassion. So, so that in, instead of looking down on them, like, I don't, I don't want that for them. I, I actually have a desire to, to see them be set free from these things. And I want to treat them the same way that Jesus has treated me, even though I don't deserve it. So I've got to go over this again and again. So remember who we were. Remember what that was like living without Christ. Let's show some compassion on those who need him desperately. Let me give you the second reason why we need to rehearse the gospel to ourselves. It's, it's so, this, so that you will place your confidence in God's work in you. Place your confidence in God's work. Verse 3 says, for we once ourselves were, verse 4, but... Aren't you glad for that contrasting conjunction? I love that. I was, but God. That's the great contrast of the gospel. It's the template for every testimony. This is who I was, but Jesus has made a difference in my life, and I'm not the same anymore. Praise God for that. He says, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. What does he mean there? Well, it just means Jesus appeared. Jesus came. He came to live among us and he died for us. He stood in as the substitute and he took the full weight of God's just wrath against our sin and he paid it. It's done. So and then he rose from the dead and he's conquering sin and death. And what Paul is saying is like, the, 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 all, all of that, Jesus' life and death and his resurrection, all of that he calls the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior. Because when you think about it, you're, man, our story was dark and depressing 
as the world's just ripping everything apart by the curse of sin, and we're feeling the effects of that, and there wouldn't be any hope that there could be a happy ending unless Jesus appeared. And he did. He stepped in, and he didn't let go of us. He didn't, he, he didn't give up on us. He came. And the, and the question is, why, do, why would he do that? Well, Paul's trying to help you understand it's because of who he is. He says it's, it's his goodness. He's good. It's his kindness. He's kind. He's loving. So because that's who he is, verse 5, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. So the story of my salvation does not start with myself. It starts with the character of my Savior. He is good. He is kind. He is merciful. He loves me. In 1962, Karl Barth was a, a theologian, uh, a Swiss Reformed theologian, actually probably one of the most influential uh, theologians in the 20th century. He actually came to America, and, and he was speaking at the University of Chicago. And, and while he was speaking at the University of Chicago, the story goes that there was a Q&A session, and somebody asked Karl Barth if he could summarize all of his theology in a single sentence. Now, you have to understand, this dude wrote prolifically. And when I say prolifically, look, check this out. This is, uh, his, this is really his magnum opus right here. I found this on Amazon. This is his church dogmatics. If you want to pick up your copy, it's about 500 bucks on Amazon, I think. This is the 14 uh, volume set, okay? Like he wrote over 6 million words. This thing was written over 35 years. How in the world do you summarize all of that? Here's his answer. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. When you rehearse the gospel, it will never leave you feeling impressed with yourself. It will always leave you standing in awe and wonder at this God of love. That he loves me. That he would save me by his mercy and by his grace. And so when we go back and we, we tell our story, we're thinking about, I don't want to think or lead people to believe that my confidence is in something that I did. Like years ago, I prayed this prayer, or I walked this aisle, or I, no, no, no. God saved me. That's my confidence. My confidence is in who he is and what he has done in me. He saved me, verse 5, he says, by the washing and the regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, which he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Now, we see the whole triune God at work here in, in, in saving us, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit just emphasizing, man, it is not my work. It is not your work. It is his. The Spirit washed me, he, he purified me, he cleaned me up spiritually there is what he said. He's, he made me new. I didn't do that. God did this work. I don't have to live in the old nature anymore because of what the Spirit has done. He has transformed me and this is a work that's continuing. He is, I, I, am, I am continually being conformed into the image of Christ to be like Jesus by the work of the Holy Spirit in me. Praise God for that. And then he says, verse 7, I was justified by his grace. That means I was declared righteous. God looks at me and says, 
You're righteous, not because of my works, not because of anything I did, but because Christ's work is applied to me. So that means my standing before God is not dependent on my performance. It's based on what Jesus did. And what that does for me is I don't have to earn it. And I can never lose it. And he says that we, we've, we've become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Heirs means we have an inheritance. We got something coming to us. You know what we got coming? And we have confidence in this. Like, I know this is happening. I, I'm going to have and receive eternal life with God, even though I don't deserve that. Brian Chappell said it this way. When we explain our eternal status, God gets the credit and we get the blessing. We've got to make sure that we're, we're putting our confidence in, in his work. See, the gospel keeps us from putting our confidence in ourselves, but by, by fixing our eyes on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. I, I kind of think about it like this. Whenever, whenever I uh, plug my phone into the stereo system of my car, for whatever reason, my phone just automatically turns on Apple Music and starts playing the song that it's at the top of the alphabetical list. And it's a fine song. It's, it's, it's good. It's one of those Shane, Shane songs. I, I don't mind the song. Except now I'm getting a little annoyed. I think my family is a little annoyed at this song because every time we plug it in, it just goes to that. Even when I'm trying to switch it over and play a podcast, it keeps trying to switch it back and start playing the Apple Music. It's just like wired to do that. I think that's kind of a picture of our hearts. That, 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 this is why if we don't constantly rehearse the gospel to ourselves, the song that we automatically play on repeat is self-sufficiency. I can do this. I got this. We're just like wired for this. I got to do something to be right with God. I got to earn it. I got to be better. I got to try harder. And we stop living in light of the gospel of God's grace and we get on the performance treadmill. And I only feel confident the only time I ever feel this sense of confidence is when I've done a good job this week. Man, I kept up with my Bible reading, or, 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 or it's been a few days since I've given in to some form of temptation like that. Or, man, I even shared the gospel with somebody this week. That's got to count for a couple of extra stars, right? Or, I got to do, I got to keep it going. I got to keep working on it. Man, that is not good news. That's exhausting. The, the gospel is good news because it reminds me that my status with God is. Not based on what I do, but on what Christ has done for me. Think about that. You can have confidence tonight. You can have confidence because of his work, not yours. It's not about what you do, but about what he has done. But now watch this. Because of what he's done, it matters what you do. Which is actually the third reason why we need to keep rehearsing the gospel to ourselves. For, uh, the, 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 this, this third one is so that you will be careful to do good works. You'll be careful to do good works. You see that in verse 8? He says the, the saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things. Keep going over this. So that those who have believed in God, see it? May be careful to devote themselves 
to good works. Insist on it, keep going over it again and again and again because gazing at the gospel grips our heart with a love for Christ and it gives us a new desire to live differently. That I want to do good works for his glory. And here's the crazy part. Now we can do good works for his glory because he's changed our hearts. We're not who we used to be. Verse 3 is in the past. That's not who we are anymore. We're no longer, what he said, slaves to these various passions and pleasures. Man, that's B.C. We don't, be- we don't belong to that. We belong to Christ. We have new desires. And the Spirit of God is making us more and more like him. Man, I hope, you, I hope you're picking up on this. This is a major theme. Paul is really concerned about how we live. Throughout this whole letter, he's just been emphasizing, he wants, he wants elders to live in a certain way, to living above reproach and setting an example. He wants godly older men and, and, and younger men and older women and younger women. He wants all of us, all of these believers who are living in an ungodly culture to stand out by their godly character. It's a testimony to the power of the gospel to transform us, to change us as we're pointing people to a better way to live. Because we've discovered what it's like to, to love and to submit to King Jesus. Man, living in, uh, under the rule and the reign of King Jesus is so much better. And so when we, when we love Jesus and when we trust him, we're going to do what we've been seeing throughout this letter. We're going to do what chapter 2 said. We're going we're to renounce ungodliness. We're going to say no to that. I don't want that. That's not who I am anymore. We're going to say yes to, to being upright, self-controlled, godly lives. We're going to say, come on, Lord Jesus, we're waiting for him to return. And then we'll do what we saw last week at the beginning of chapter 3, we're, verse 1 and 2, because, because we're showing our trust in his sovereignty, we're going to do that by submitting to the governing authorities that he's placed over us, while also at the same time working for the good of the people in our neighborhood, the people in our community, showing love to our neighbors. Think about this. As, as, as we constantly rehearse the gospel to ourselves, we are continually going to have opportunities to do good for his glory. We've had a traumatic year. And we've had another traumatic week. It's entirely possible that even people in our community are starting to feel the effects of the hatred and the violence that, that we've seen. I just want you to know we love you. And we as believers, because we know what it's like to be set free, and we see the beauty of the value of living in submission to King Jesus, then we have opportunities to come alongside and show compassion to those who are hurting. And to stand up and to to speak out for the vulnerable and the victims of injustice. And to pray and to text and to come alongside someone and comfort those who are gripped by fear. Point them to something better. Demonstrating the difference of Jesus' kingdom and, and giving people the hope that only he can bring. See, it's during dark days that disciples who are constantly rehearsing the gospel are going to live differently and shine the love of Christ. It makes a difference in the way that we live. One of the ways that we continually rehearse the gospel is by taking communion together. Isn't it awesome that Jesus gave us a very tangible way to do this? Like, hey guys, I don't want you to forget this. Don't lose sight of this. So many times you're going to hear it, you're going to be like, I know this. But do you? Do you got this down? Do you understand this? 
Are you growing in this grace? And maybe, maybe some of the things I just want to say, like, maybe some of you, this is like the first time that you're really hearing this and understanding this. That it's not really about what you do. It's what Christ has done by dying on the cross for you so that you could be forgiven. Maybe this is like the first time that you're ever really understanding that. I want to encourage you, like what we're about to do by taking communion together, this is, this is for believers. This is for people that have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you know that you're a sinner, you need that. I want to encourage you to put your faith and trust in Christ tonight. And you might just like pray right now in the quietness of your heart and just admit it. God, I know that I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. I know I deserve judgment. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin so that I can be forgiven. Please forgive me. Please save me. And for those of us who have, this is why we keep coming back to it again and again. Put it on repeat. We need this. This breathes life into our souls. It helps us rest in the gospel. It helps us live differently. So if you've got your communion with you, why don't we take this together. We're reminded by Paul. He says in 1 Corinthians 11, he said it this way, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you so much. As the triune God who cared and did the work for us, that you sent your son who willingly died in our place and you sent your spirit to bring us to new life, to renew us, to make us like yourself. We thank you for the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy that we've been shown. God, I pray that, that we would have hearts of compassion for those who don't know you. Because we would remember what life was like before Christ. We, we would remember how hopeless it is without you. And God, may we give you praise and glory. May we rest our confidence that my status, my relationship with you is not dependent on my performance this week but on what you did for me. We're so thankful for that. Would you help us to get after it and do good works for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray.